Every one of us has the potential to be everything God called us to be. Every single one of us has the potential to have everything God wants us to have. If we'll take and use what God has given us. What is that? His Word. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Why is it that Christians can do what your word says they're supposed to do and still struggle? Now, I want you to listen to me. This morning's message has the ability to, to drastically change your life. Okay? And I'm not talking about just being debt-free and financially astute or anything like that. I'm talking about a victorious understanding in God's Word. Now, God's Word, and this is the difficulty you have in a lot of churches, is we have a tendency to want to skirt around those issues that put it back on our laps. How many can say amen? Okay. I, you know, I love exegetical preaching. <clears throat> I love to take a scripture Excuse me. <coughs> Get a glass of water, a bottle of water, one of the ushers, please. Or Okay, this is the most beautiful usher, my wife. She fills all the roles in the church. Uh, <clears throat> I, I love exegetical. I love to take scripture. I like to take chapters. Uh, if you come on Wednesday night... I promise you, you will grow. And this is not an arrogant statement, church. This is, a, this is a confident, factual statement. You will grow more in this church than you will in just about any church. Because I purpose to bring God's Word out contextually and factually based in what the Scriptures are declaring as best as my ability. The problem with exegetical teaching, though, is it has a, the ability to circumvent the things that cause you to grow. I can, I, can, I can tear apart these scriptures and bring it all out and be very biblical, very factual, but not very critical of a man and woman's life in Christ. Years and years ago, when I first started pastoring, I pastored a church in Tyler, Texas. And I, I went there, and I was, as I was going across Tyler, or going across Texas, how many know it takes a long time to get across Texas? 
I was going across Texas. I think I was over to way across Georgia. I'm not sure what, but I was going across Texas. And I was, I'm saying, God, okay, you called me to Tyler. What in the world am I going to do? I said, God, everything's saved in Texas. The cows are saved. I mean, everybody's saved in Texas. What are you taking me to Texas for? And God spoke to me, and he said, if you'll love them, I'll change them. Because the problem with a lot of people is we get this religious spirit about us. And I talked about in Romans, denied in this spiritual warfare. The Bible says, take heed, who, he who thinks he stand, lest he fall. Take heed. You think you got it all together? God said we're only a step away from falling flat on our face. So I'm going across Texas, and I'm doing this. And I'm, as a young pastor, I'm just, this is my first church, first pastorate. I'm asking God, okay, God, how should I preach? Should I preach like Billy Graham? How about David Wilkerson? How about, you know, Tommy Barnett? How about this guy or that guy? And God's, <laughs> I love God's humor. He spoke to me. He said, I, I got a Billy Graham. I've got a David Wilkerson. I need a Tim Masters. He said, preach like you. And then I started, okay, what kind? Topical? Exegetical? You know, structural? How? Do, how? And God began to expo expose to me different kinds of preaching. And the reason I wound up on topical is because he said many others make the head better, but make the heart bitter. And he said the reason is, is because it fills their head with all kinds of knowledge, but gives their heart no kind of experiential application. So that's why I preach the way I preach. That's why I bring God's word the way I bring God's word. But it will challenge. If you listen to our Sunday morning radio broadcast, it's on CAF radio and it's on uh, 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 the Christian radio at 645 on Sunday mornings. Uh, uh, radio, uh, Arizona Shine. It's on Arizona Shine and CAF Radio. I think it's on one of the other stations too. Uh, if you listen to that, I start out every Sunday morning by saying, I, I want to bring you words that will be encouraging, enlightening, but most likely challenging. And that's what we do in our church. Why? Folks, when the rapture happens, I want an empty church. I don't want anybody coming here looking for church. I want this church empty. And the only way I can do that is by growing people. Can somebody say amen? Provision is based on participation. As I started to share, one of the most frustrating things that I have is those that profess Christ as their Lord and Savior. Why they do not feel like they're living a victorious Christian life. So I, I sought the Lord and I said, God... What is it that causes someone else to be blessed above me? What is it that causes a man or a woman to truly desire to live for God, but not receive what seems to be lining up and advocating in your word? Though some do what God says, why do they still not seem to receive God's promise. Now, let me just ask you, is anybody where I'm at? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Go ahead and lift your hand. Say, yeah. Okay, good. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm probably going to hit this one out of the park today. There are laws in God's Word. 
Now, I know one of the great rampant things in the church world today is the preaching of grace. It's all about him, not about you. I agree completely. But because it's all about him, it becomes all about you. Because that's what the word Christian means is Christ-like. So that means we have to live according to him. The law of the harvest is one of those such laws. And very simply, the law of the harvest is the law of sowing and reaping. And the Bible says, it's in your notes, that we reap according to the understanding and attitude by which we have sown. Now, I I put that purposely, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to understand. Okay? You can sow into the ground all day long and still not get a crop. Oh, you may get a sprinkle. You may get a shoot. You may get a... But you you won't get the harvest that God intends if you just throw it out there. There's a purposefulness to our sowing. Understanding and attitude are critical to reaping. In your notes, I left it in there. Listen to this. Whether good or bad, right or wrong, righteous or evil, we will reap. If we sow to the Spirit, the Bible says we will reap blessing. That's what it tells us in Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. And it also tells us, but if we sow to the flesh, we'll reap corruption. What does that mean? Very simply, one brings glory to God, one brings glory to us. Very simple definition. Folks, I'm a simple guy. I I can't get too deep. I'm just simple. So we see the problem is not God's word. Smile. You see some teeth. If you don't have them, gums are fine. Just like the problem is not God's word, which the Bible, when you read the, the, the sower and the reaper, it says very specifically, the seed is the word of God. The problem is not God's word. Look at this. It's how we plant. It's how we plant. So we must understand if this is a true statement, if the seed is God's word, and God's word is always good, then we must understand for the seed to produce, it must be planted and abide under proper conditions. Can somebody say amen? Okay. Now I'm just going to jump right out there and step flat on somebody's foot. Malachi chapter 3, that dreaded verse. There's hundreds of them in the Bible, by the way. Tithing is not an Old Testament concept. It's a New Testament. Look what it says there. Read that very first word. What's it say? Okay, look at me. If you're mailing your tithe to some company, some organization, you're not doing it God's way. Well, I'm supporting this ministry or that ministry. That's not what God's Word says. Now, if you're going to drive to Texas and drop your tithe into some church you don't participate in, praise the Lord. I hope the gas is paid for by the church you're going to. It says bring. How many know that Ivan can't bring something someplace he isn't participating in? Provision has to do with participation. It says bring. 
Okay, now I'm going to irritate some more folks. I got that gift, Pastor Ray. <laughs> I got that gift of irritation. Yes, he can. What's the next line say? The full tenth. I took that out of the, the Holman's Bible. It says it in multi, multiple versions. The full tithe, the full tenth, the whole tithe. So some of us will sit back and say, well, I'm going to send part here. I'm going to send part there. I'm going to get part here. Once again, we're not bringing. God says bring it. You know why? He wants you participating. He wants you part of the process. And then he says the full. Well, pastor, I can only do 5%. Fine. That's not a tithe. Well, I can do 3.5%. That's not a wonderful. I can do 9%. This, fine. Tenth means 10%. See, what I'm trying to do today, ladies and gentlemen, this morning, is I'm trying to help us understand why things aren't working in our lives the way they should be. Because we're not planting and abiding correctly. Bring the full tithe. Where? Now, I know people say, well, it all depends on how you define the storehouse. Well, when you go into the original Hebrew and the Greek where it talks about, it is the local church. Whether it's the local temple that you are a part of or the local church that you are, that is the storehouse. I have Bill and Eula, my wife and I love them dearly. But if we went to the grocery store and we bought a truckload of groceries and we took them to their house and put it in their cupboards, they say, oh, bless the Lord. But then my wife and I would go home and we'd open our cupboards. Where's the food in my house? I put food in their house, but what's it doing in my house? Nothing. He said, bring the full tithe, bring participation, full tithe, the entire tithe into the house you are participating in. So there may be food in my house, the house you are participating in. And then he puts two bold statements in this. He said, test me. You know, this is the only place in God's word that God says you can challenge him is in the area of your tithe, not your offering. See, that's a whole different thing. He said, test me. In other words, bring it, the whole of it, into the place you participate and see if I won't do something. Says the Lord of hosts. When you see Lord capitalized, that's the omnipotent. That's the Elohim. That is the author, finisher, the provider, the, the, the all in all, the everything. He said, see what I will do. He said, I'll open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing. There would not be room to contain one version says. I like this one. The floodgates of heaven pour out a blessing without measure. But you see, that's not the part I want you to see. He said, test me in this way. Let's drop down to that last line, the last two lines. He said, I will rebuke the one stealing from you. See, folks, if we want God's provision, we have to do it under 
our participation according to him, not to us. Can somebody say amen? Okay. Proper conditions. He said, if you will do what I said, if you'll bring the full tithe. Well, Pastor, I'm getting to it. Stop getting and get. Just do it. I can tell you miracle after miracle after miracle God did just because I trusted him. Okay? He said, if you'll do it that way, you watch what happens. Haggai. Let's go down further into God's word. Now, when you read the book of Haggai, Haggai was a prophet. He was one of the minor prophets. The only difference between minor and major prophets is the size of the book. That's all it is. The major prophets have big books. The minor prophets have small books. That's why they're called major and minor. It has nothing to do with their validity or their power. Haggai is writing to the people, and he's saying, guys, you know, we need to get my temple in order. Let me turn it to 21st century. We have to get our church in order. Look what he said. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, say that with me. These people say. Don't sound like you're involved right now. Let's do it again. Everybody together now. These people say. Look at somebody sitting next to you and say, he's talking about me in this passage. See what the people are saying? It's not time for us to take care of God's house. You hear what it's saying here? Look at this. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai and said, is it time for you to take care of your house? While my house lays in ruins? This is what the Lord... Folks, when you got this is what the Lord God Almighty says two or three times in the same paragraph, you best be paying attention. Somebody say amen. This is what the Lord Almighty says. And I want you to underline this in your notes. Give careful thought to your ways. Is your notes underlined already? Circle them. Put an put exclamation point. Give care. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, this is what the church, the pastor in a lot of they don't like to do. They don't want to put it back in our lap. We want to think it's the devil. We want to think it's, it's society. We want to think it's the government. We want to think it's somebody else, something else. God said, no, 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 no. Either I'm all powerful or I'm not. How many think the devil's more powerful than God? So why do you blame the devil for things if you're God's child? How many think the government's more powerful than God? How many think that your financial situation is more powerful than God? I could just continue on. Why do we blame everything instead of looking in the mirror and saying, God, what's going on here? See, that's what I did in putting this message together. God, what's going on here? Look what it says here. Give careful thought to your ways. Now, we see the passage. Look what it says here. Uh, uh, actually, go, go, go to the one right before that, Bob, please, just like you had it already. Okay? Yeah, there. Look at it. He says, it's time for you to be living in your paneled houses, and my house remains in ruin. God says, you're not taking care of my house. Why do you expect me to take care of yours? Can I just put it in blatant English? I, there's a, if you ever went to La Fonda, you'll see our uh, little things on the tables there. And one of the statements that I put in there, why do you expect me to come to your house when you won't come to mine? God speaking. Okay, look what it says there. 
you're taking care of all your stuff, but what about me? God is saying. Go ahead in the next verse, or the next part. Give careful thought to the ways. And God starts outlining all of the problems we deal with. We plant much, but we get little left. We spend a lot, but we got little left. You eat, but you're never full. You drink, you're never satisfied. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages, but it seems like you put them in purses with holes in them. This is what the Lord Almighty is saying. There is that phrase again. You think God's trying to get our attention. This is what the Lord Almighty is saying. Folks, and please, look at me. Look at me. Get your notes away. Tune me in. Tune me out. This is for the betterment of our lives. If we want God's participation, he has to have ours. Well, it's all about grace. It's not about greasy grace, folks. Nobody's slipping into heaven. And that's what we've turned it into. God has done everything. Lock, stock, and barrel. But God says we have to live for him. And God's set certain laws in the parameter that don't change. You can have the most beautiful field in town. If you don't go out and plant that field correctly, it'll never bring you the harvest. Well, your life is a field. My life is a field. Are you still with me? This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thoughts to your ways. Second time he says that. He said, go to the mountain. Get the stuff and take care of my house that I can bring, bring, be pleasured and, bring, and be honored. You expect much, but it turns out to be little. Why? Because what you brought home, listen to this. God said, I blew it away. Remember Job? God never stopped Job or stopped the devil from doing all the stuff to Job. He just said, you can't kill him. You steal everything he has. You can destroy everything he has. Ladies and gentlemen, God's word is very plain. It's his way or no way. If we want him to be the covering, the provision that our text tells us, don't you think that he has the right to say, this is the way you do it? Am I making sense? Okay? Last week I talked about the 90%. We're going to get back into that in just a second. Okay? But think about it for a minute. Look what he says here. Go get my house taken care of. He said, you've got, you've got all this. You've gained all of this. You've accomplished all of this. Yet you don't have much to show for it. Why? Because I blew it away. And then here comes that phrase again. Declares the Lord Almighty. Because my house isn't taken care of. Why? You're busy with your career. You're busy with your house. You're building with your blank, blank, blank. God says, I'm the one that called the droughts on the fields. I'm the one that withheld the dew from the crops. 
I'm the one that caused the, the mountains and the grain and everything not to produce the way that it's supposed to. Kind of an interesting perspective, isn't it? Let me continue on here. And I want to look at our dilemma. It's in your notes. Our dilemma, folks, is we read God's word, but we try to apply it our way. Well, that tithe thing doesn't apply to me, God. Do you have a different Bible? A lot of people do. Well, you know, this whole sowing and reaping God doesn't apply to me. After all, I'm under grace. We read God's word, but we try to apply it our way. You see, when God, his word instructs us, what happens is we have a tendency to argue with God and look for another, here it is, interpretation. And folks, you go to the internet, you will find the one that you like. Because they're all out there. As I touched on last week, there are some notable preachers. Because they have multi-million dollar book agreements. Because they have huge whatever the case is, which is a non-issue to me. Will sit down and tell you, you don't have to tithe. You don't have to give. You don't. It's all about what you want to do. But when I read my Bible, ladies and gentlemen... He did what he didn't want to do, but for his love. And he says that same love is what constrains you and me. We have a tendency to argue. And we try to convince God why we are the exception to the rule. Too many times we don't do or stop doing what God has told us to do And then we start to wonder why things aren't going the way they should. I shared last week that the only place that Jesus ever commended the Pharisees was in their tithing. The only place. Now, we thought, well, you know, that's that's all the law. Well, Jesus spent a whole lot of time not talking about the law in the New Testament. But he did say these words in, in Matthew 10. He said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. But he said... Until I return, everything will remain. Not one jot or one tittle of the law will be done away with. It's all still in operation, ladies and gentlemen. So let's go back into God's Word. James chapter 1. James, the Lord's brother, who is credited for writing the book of James. I'm going to touch on this, but I want you to understand, the book of James was not written in chapter and verses, as none of the rest of the Bible they was written in letter form. That's why they're called the epistles. The, epi- the word epistle means letter. Okay? James chapter 1. Look what James says. Do not merely listen to God's word. And so do what? Deceive yourself. What's the next word say? Do what it says. Remember that passage in 2 Corinthians 10 or 14? Take heed, he who thinks he stand, lest he fall. He said, don't just listen to the word of God. Well, God, I understand, but that don't apply to me. You're walking in deception. He said, look what he says here. Do what it says. Now, how many think the Lord's brother might have some credence on this issue? 
He said, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like the man who beholds his face in a mirror. He looks at himself, but after he walks away, he forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks into interesting choice of words, the perfect law of liberty. That does what? That gives freedom. You see, Paul talks about the law that brings bondage. Which is talking about people trying to measure up. Jesus came to measure up. James is writing here, he's talking about the law of liberty. That gives freedom. And continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but does it, he will be blessed in all he does. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we do because we love. Love is what expresses what we do. We want all that God wants for our life. Would that not be a true statement? Yet we do not want to do all he says concerning our lives. We want to be hearers and not doers. God tells us in Psalm chapter 1, there's only five verses there, tells us that the one who does what he told, he's told will be prospered in everything he does. No matter what the world does, no matter what people do, he said the one, and you can go read it, Psalm chapter 1, there's five verses there. He said, we'll be like the tree planted by the streams of living water, and everything we do will prosper. Prosperity is not just financial, ladies and gentlemen. But, you know, we like to hear that. We like to know that we are going to be blessed. But then we fall short of doing what his word has told us we are to do to be blessed. Are you still with me today? Man, it gets quiet when you start talking about money in church. Every one of us has the potential to be everything God called us to be. Every single one of us has the potential to have everything God wants us to have. If we'll take and use what God has given us, what is that? His word. Then we will see the results of his promise. If we will put God's word to use, he will confirm it with signs following. Is that what his Bible says? He said, I will open the windows of heaven. And I've shared this kind of tongue-in-cheek. You know, God's windows are pretty big. And when God starts shoveling down, God's shovel's pretty big. I shovel up to him, he shovels back. How many think one shovel's bigger than the other? God said he will hasten to perform it if we will abide by it. 
Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. There is not a devil in hell, a single situation in your life, a circumstance. If you are doing what God has said in his word, that can hinder. This is what is called the message of faith. Not faith in man, not faith in a system, but faith in God. The problem is not God. It's the person sitting in our chairs. Matthew chapter 18 says you can bind and you can loose. All you're doing in that term, just once again to make it simple, the term binding and loosening just simply says I'm agreeing with what God has already done. Whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. What you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. God has bound up the enemy. That's why the enemy can't do anything to you or me as children of God without God's permission. He can't do anything. We find that exemplified through Job. Well, pastor, that's the only place. We find it exemplified through Peter. Jesus speaking to Peter says, Peter, Satan has asked me if he can sift you as wheat. But you want to hear the Lord's response? He didn't tell the devil no. What did Jesus say? He said, but I have prayed for you that you don't fail. See, God allows the enemy. God just says, "Are you?" I gave you the book. I gave you the manual. Basic instructions before leaving earth. He said, Heather, what do you, what do you think? What do you think about it? Are you, are you, are you, no, the red letters aren't what I'm talking about. I'm just, you, what do you... Folks, if we just do God's word, well, pastor, it's not that easy. You're right. It's impossible. That's why we have grace. His power at operation in our lives. Can you say amen this morning? Okay. So, number two, quickly. Okay. Give careful thought to your ways. I'm going to spend some time in James just for just a little bit more. Because I want, you to, I want you to grab a hold of this perfect law of liberty. James was written as a letter, not as five chapters. Essentially, it's in your notes, we've got two problems. And I talked about this last week. Essentially, we've got two problems. What we don't have and what others do have. That's our basic financial problem in this world. What we don't have and what others do have. That's that 90% I was talking about last week. We're so focused on that 90%, we don't trust God with the 10%. Why? Man, if I give the 10% away, I can't make it on the 90. How in the world am I going to do with all the whole of it gone? And God says the reason we're not making it with the 90 is because we're not doing right with the 10. Am I making sense? Once again, we can shortchange God and we, well, God, I'll give you this. My wife and I was raised in the church to where, man, we, 20 bucks a week. Bless the Lord, I'm giving. Of course, we were making a lot more than that. This was before we met. But there's many people go to church. They just give God what's left, not what's right. 
<laughs> I better not say that. That will be offensive. The two issues, what we don't have and what others do have. We look so much at what we don't have that we begin to long for what somebody else has. Let's go back to James, okay? We were in James 1. Now we're going to go to James 3. Look what it says here. Out of the mouth of Christians, praising and cursing comes. It shouldn't be that way. I have had people tell me situations that are very bad. And the first words out of my mouth usually are, praise the Lord. Folks, I know God's in charge of everything. The devil ain't that powerful. He can't do anything without God's permission. See, nothing touches the father's child without first touching the child's father. Okay? The devil's not that powerful. We give him too much credit. We give him too much. Look, look at this. Things don't go right. Let, let, let me, let, let's go down James 4. James 4. Okay? Look what it says here. You want what you don't have. And then you set all of your resources to focus on it. That's what he says. You scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war to try to take it from them. Folks, is this making any sense today? Once again, James, the Lord's brother, is espousing this, and he's calling it, when you look into the perfect law of liberty, you won't deal with this stuff. Let me continue on. Look what he says here. He says, yet you don't have it. You don't have it because you don't ask me about it. Isn't that what it says? You don't ask me. And then when you do ask me, you don't get it. And I want you to underline these words. Because if your motives are all wrong, you only want it for your pleasure. I'm, I'm talking to God and I'm saying, God, why is it that one does and one doesn't? One has and one hasn't. And God said, you've got to help them understand. That's what I do, folks. I... I got issues. I deal with them. You know where I deal with them? God, what's your word say? Well, pastor, I'm not as good in the Bible as you are. You got the same God on your side. You ask him, he'll show you, even if you haven't ever read it. What's the Bible say? Then he gets a little irritated. And look what he calls us. You know what an adulterer is? Somebody that has a husband or a wife or a, uh, a spouse married to, committed to, dedicated to, and you bring somebody else into the equation. That's what Christians do. We have God as our source, but we bring everything else into the equation. God says, you adulterers, don't you realize the friendship with the world is enemy with God? Motives and intents are two serious issues when it comes to living the victorious Christian life. The why we do what we do and why we want what we want. 
God has no problem with us having everything. He tells us in the book of Luke, it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. When David fell with Bathsheba, we talked about that last Wednesday night. Uh, uh, in this, this whole, this whole uh, uh, hidden war, this whole invisible war, this whole spiritual warfare. When David fell with Bathsheba, you know, the prophet Nathan came to him. And he said, if you would have wanted anything, just ask, why'd you go do this? Ladies and gentlemen, look at me, please. Why, when God says, I will take care of it, I will rebuke the devourer, I will open the windows of heaven, why don't we just say, God, would you take care of this? I will do it your way. God told David, said, David, anything you would have wanted, I would have gave you. Why did you go kill Uriah? Why did you steal Bathsheba? Why did you bring blood upon the kingdom? Understand, ladies and gentlemen, just because we're saved, giving to God does not mean God is obligated to us for anything. And I put this on the screen. I I hope it gets on the screen. Doing right the wrong way doesn't make it right. Right is right because it's right. Always has been, always will be. I'm going to get into Haggai chapter 2 here in just a minute. And it's going to expose, expose, uh, expose that whole thing. You see... We ask God to do what he has promised, and we don't see the immediate results. We give up and go find some other way to do it. Why? Or he's the last one, we ask. Why is it the Christians get easily offended, becoming indignant and resentful when things don't go their way or the way they like? God said you're not going to receive a harvest at all with that attitude. Let's go back to Haggai, verses 5 and 6. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You plant much, but you harvest little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you're never full. You put on clothes, but they don't keep you warm. You earn wages only to put them in pockets with holes in them. Think about it. Think about it, ladies and gentlemen. This is a violation of spiritual law. God says you're going to reap what you sow. What he's talking about, he said, you're supposed to be my children. You're supposed to be blessed. You're supposed to be overcoming. You're supposed to have a victorious life. You're supposed to reap what you sow. But what is the deal here? You're not having the food. You're not not being filled. You're not being uh, quenched in your thirst. You're not having warm clothes. You're not. What is the problem, ladies and gentlemen? The law of the harvest is still in place. We reap what we sow, but what is happening? There has to be an issue that you and I are dealing with. Can somebody say amen this morning? Why are people just getting by? Why are we not seeing the results of God's law of sowing and reaping the law of the harvest? See, many have tithed. They plant seeds of faith, yet they do not receive the results that God promised. They pray and they say, God, you said if I tithed, you would rebuke the devourer. You would open the windows of heaven. You said it would be returned to me 30, 60, 100 fold. Why is that not happening? Well, folks, I said all of that to tell you why it's not happening. 
And it's all right here in this wonderful book we call the Bible. We read through it, read over it, but don't read from it to gather what God has said in it. If we're asking those questions, God said he'll answer. James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom, ask. But then we have to listen for his answer, not the response we want. Are you okay? Here's the problem in our text. They weren't seeking God's plan, but their own. God said he'll share his glory with nobody. They were seeking their own plan and not God's. They gave offerings. That's what you read the, the, the whole book. They were trying to do what they're supposed to do. They presumably were tithing. But what was the issue? God was still not first. They were paying attention to their wants and needs. That whole 90% thing that I talked about last week. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you go to vlccaz.org and listen to it. You can download the notes. They're online and it's all free. They were interested and paying attention to their needs, their wants. Not God's word and God's desire. I was preaching on faithfulness many, many years ago. A victorious life in California. And I was preaching there. And I, I, I was doing this series, as I always do. I do a series. And I was doing a series on faithfulness. And I was on like part two of the series. And, and I was putting the notes down and writing down and getting into God's word. And God stopped me and says, do you understand faithfulness? Uh, I guess if you're asking me that, I probably don't. And you know what God gave me as the definition for faithfulness? See, we think of somebody as tithing, they're faithful. Somebody's giving, they're faithful. If they're showing up to church every once in a while, they're faithful. You know what God gave me a definition for faithfulness? Listen to it. He said faithfulness is commitment to the purpose of why you're there. Why do you go to church? Well, that's what I'm supposed to do. Really? Can you imagine Jesus talking to the Father in heaven? Why am I going to earth? That's what you're supposed to do. Aren't you glad that that conversation probably went more like this? Dad, I know where I'm going. Because we really love these people, don't we? That's why I'm going. Aren't you glad the conversation probably went like that more than, why do you go to church? Well, my wife makes me. You know, I got kids now and they have to go. Oh, yeah, I need to do something. Commitment to the purpose of why you're there. <clears throat> See, when God is telling Haggai to tell the people, consider their ways, all he's doing is taking us into the perfect law of liberty where it says where your treasure is, that's where your heart will really be. Ways 
The word ways, when you look at it in the original language, in the original Greek, it means present or previous conduct. It means the course of action, manner, method of your behavior. God said, the reason you're having problems is because your actions are not lining up with my word. Now, there's nothing wrong, ladies and gentlemen, as I've already said, with God's word. The law of the harvest or anything else. It is you and I that must consider our ways. Consider what we are doing or not doing. You see, it's bad enough, ladies and gentlemen, that the devil is trying to ruin our lives for us to not come alongside of him and help him by joining in, not allowing God to do what he said he would do in his word. Let me begin to wrap this up. Number three. Praise the Lord. Will you all give me a little bit more time? That's great. Six voices responded. Well, for the rest of you that didn't, get mad at these people. God wants to bless us abundantly if we'll just take him at his word. That's the bottom line, folks. All depends on the faith that you and I operate in to make the difference. Now, I I left in your notes. I didn't put it on the screen, but I left in your notes. I'm not talking about the principle of faith. I'm talking about the conduct of faith. God's principle of faith is unwavering. I'm talking about the conduct of faith. What am I saying that in simple terms? Is what you do duty or delight? See, this is why the Scripture tells us in the book of Psalms, the chapter in 37, he said, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. And what's it say? I will give you the desires of your heart. And we think, oh, praise the Lord. Hook and line and sinker. Amen. But then you read it in the original language. You know what it really says? When the Lord becomes your delight, his heart will become your desire. When it becomes about me, I'll make it about you. But God says you got to do right things right, first things first. In the passage in Mark chapter 11, it's in your notes there, and it's on the screen. Jesus had just cursed the fig tree. Just before that, he was proclaimed as Messiah. He was getting the donkey so he could ride in triumphantly and all of that. He curses the fig tree. Why? Because the fig tree was not obeying the law of the harvest. The fig tree was planted It had all the right leaves on it that said it should be time for harvest. But it wasn't producing a single fruit. And you know what Jesus said? Fine, you won't obey the law of the harvest, you're cursed, and you will never produce anything. This is hard stuff, ladies and gentlemen. The fig tree was, it looked like it should be busting with with productivity. You see, ladies and gentlemen, God's serious about what he has placed in order. In Mark 11, look what he says. Have faith in God. Now, once again, you got to take this. i got one little scripture here, three verses. 
put it all back in context. He's overturning money tables. He is coming in as, as Messiah. He is cursing a fig tree. You've got to look at the whole thing in perspective. A lot of people want to take this. Well, how does a mountain get thrown into the sea? I'm about to tell you. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. If anyone says of this mountain, go throw itself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that it will happen, it will be done. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive it and it will be yours. Now I want you to circle that next word. What's that next word? What's the next word? What's the next word? Okay, it's not a trick question, it's a real, okay. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe you receive. Okay, so far I have been reading one paragraph. And when they translated the languages, they try to keep everything contextual. Okay, look what he said. He said, have faith in God. He started out with that. And then he said, if you talk to that mountain, you say, pastor, is that a physical mountain? If you talk about it in context, he's talking about the mustard seed, just a little teeny thing. He's talking about a great big mountain, just a huge, ominous thing. What God was saying, if you got faith in me, nothing's too small, nothing's too big. You'd overcome. Very simple, folks. This is not a metaphor. Okay? It's not some kind of conjecture. This is analogous of the reality of your life and mine in comparison to the spiritual, physical world. He said, if you ask in prayer, believe and it's yours. And, circle that in your notes, please. Look what it says here. When you stand praying. You're doing all the stuff right. He said, you understand. You got little things, big things, not an issue. Have faith in me. I am your provider. I am your source. Look what it says here. And when you stand praying... If you hold, say this word with me, anything against anyone. Folks, when you look in your Bible, the parentheses are still active. It's one statement. Jesus started with, have faith in me. And then he said, when you're praying, understand, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your father will forgive your sins. You see, we can do right all that we want to the wrong way. It's not going to bring different results. It's all part and parcel. God says, you want me to do for you, you got to do it my way. You can't hold bitterness. You can't hold. See, we like this passage. But if you read it correctly, we have written right in the midst of it the forgiveness clause. We see that this whole phrase is paced between quotation marks to understand it is one subject matter. In other words, it's the continuation of the whole thought. If you have faith in me, you better be forgiven because I forgave you. Let's go back to Haggai. I told you I'd get to 14 through 19. Throughout the course of it, he says, consider your ways. And then he says, you want to see the resolve of this? Whatever they do and whatever they offer. God said, if you're not doing it the right way, whatever they do, whatever they offer is defiled. Now, give careful thoughts from this day forward. God's fixing to tell us how to resolve this whole problem. 
give careful thought from this day forward. Consider how things were before. One stone was laid upon another in the Lord's temple. Remember how things were before you changed your focus and it became about me and not about you. Are you with me? Consider. Think about what it was like before. He said, I struck all the hand of your work. I'm the one that hindered with blight, mildew, hail, but you still did not turn to me, declares the Lord. But from this day on, give careful thought to the day you changed your focus from you to me. That's what he's talking about, church. You changed your focus from you to me, and my temple started getting built. Give careful thoughts, because from that day forward, I will begin to bless you. Well, when you look at the passage, it was actually three and a half months after they started building the temple that the blessing returned. Why is that? Remember what we're talking about, the law of the harvest. How many ever planted a plant today and it sprung up tomorrow? See, I think there's probably several reasons in this. But I think God honors his laws. Three and a half months. From the time they started putting God first, that everything started changing. Could be the law of the harvest. Or it could be that God wanted to make sure the people stayed on the right path. I don't know. It could be like Daniel. 21 days before the answer came. The devil was trying to get him back into bondage, the 70 years that they were already in. But he stood. He fought tooth and nails. The angel that came to Daniel said, it's a good thing you didn't stop praying. From the first day you prayed, I was sent. But there was a battle. Look at me just for a moment. Never think anything is going to be easy in God's kingdom. If you buy into the deception that when you give your life to Christ, everything's going to get smooth, you lose. I remember when I first started, became a Christian, I said, God, I can't wait until, I, until I'm saved for 30 years. It's going to get so much easier. You know it's gotten harder. You know why it's gotten harder? Because I realize how wretched I really am. Pastor, aren't you better? Oh, I'm a lot better. But I realize, folks, how much he did. I realize how much the enemy would win if he was able to take me down. Oh, that's not an arrogant statement. How much he could win if he could take you down. And the devil doesn't care how long it takes. You see, our actions and conduct is the one sure thing that will stop the blessing of God. He said, if you hold anything against anyone, I will not provide no matter how much you participate. It could be a, gr a grudge, a resentment, bitterness, malice, animosity, ill will. It doesn't matter. 
what or how we give. God said, if you don't forgive, I won't bless. See, God will not meet us in those circumstances. Unforgiveness, resentfulness. It has always been and always will be our ways that hinder the blessings of God. The devil isn't powerful enough to stop him, church. If we'll not operate, listen to this, in the conduct of faith, then God's hands are tied in the principles of faith. Matthew chapter 6. That's not in your notes, so you can put your notes away. So seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all these things will be added. David and Bathsheba, their son Solomon, when he ascended to the throne, you know the very first thing Solomon did? He was overwhelmed by the task that was facing him. So he went to God. He said, God, how do I do this? What shall I give you? God responded. Look at me, please. If God responded to you or came to you like he did to Solomon in a dream or in a vision and asked you what you want, what would you pray for? Fortunately, Solomon asked for wisdom. Say, God, I need to know how to live this life. God, I need to know how to deal with this stuff that's going to be facing before me. Ladies and gentlemen, look at me, please. Listen to me. Solomon's just a bigger picture of you and me. Remember that passage in Mark? Say to that mountain, be cast into the sea. Solomon was dealing with mountains. You and I are dealing with mountains. If God came to you right now and asked you, what is it I can do for you? What would you ask? Solomon said, God, I need wisdom. I need to understand how to deal with your people. Give me, give, give your servant an understanding heart that I can look at all perspectives, that I can discern between good and evil, and I'm able to judge this great people of yours. See, Solomon understood, it's all about you, God. It's not about me. Sadly, as you go through Solomon's life, you found that it twisted and it became about him. But look what God said to Solomon. He said, because you have not asked me for long life and riches or even the death of your enemies, God said, you know what, Solomon? I'm going to give you what you asked for and more. I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for. Riches, honor, that there shall be nobody like you all the days of your life. You see, Solomon had his priorities in order. He sought God's kingdom first. And then everything else was added to him. 
That's the same thing with your life and mine. Why are we looking at all the things the world has to offer? Well, I've got to do this to get that. I've got to go here to be there. I've got to say that to accomplish this. Why? Why can't I just say, God, this is your deal. I'm just a microcosm of it. When we put God and his kingdom first, our lives will find the proper balance. When Jesus says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be added, that's what Solomon got when he asked for wisdom. That's it. Got you covered. By the way, those things, don't worry about them. I got them covered too. Do you see the things? They are what you'll wear, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll put in your pockets. That's a get careful thought to your president, your present your past and your future conduct and he said I will participate in the provision because you chose to let me be the provision of your participation we're going to sing a song And the song is so tied up to this message that it can bring you right in to the altar in the heart of God. The words of the song are very simple. The more I seek you, the more I find you. How much are you seeking him? Are you seeking him when it fits into your time? your structure, your schedule? Are you seeking him to make your time, to make your structure, to make your schedule? Nah, Pastor, I said, well, you're, you're meddling. You're getting into people's lives. That's my job. My job is to preach his word, not to massage it. Are you trying to fit God into your life? Or are you like Solomon? God, I ain't got a clue what to do with this life. You gave it to me, so you do. Give me wisdom. If you were to meet me at 5.30 on my balcony every morning, if you just sit there under the rafters, You'll hear me cry out for wisdom every day. Every day. I don't know how to love her. This wonderful wife of mine, don't have a clue. God, I need wisdom. I don't know how to love you. Sometimes you flat irritate me. God, give me wisdom. Now, folks, you say, well, that's kind of a bad thing to say. It's called human. It's called flesh. God 
I need you to drive this car called my life. I need you to help me not to pick up the garbage to throw in the back that I shouldn't pick up. You said your burden is light. Why does it seem like I got so much on me? You're carrying the wrong burden. God didn't give it to you. You just happened to pick it up along the way. Why is it, man, I just, gosh, I, you know, what a, it's like I got something around my neck. I'm going to talk about that on Wednesday night. That's called oppression. Why is it happening? Why is it happening? The devil don't have enough power, but he has deception. See, Jesus said, his yoke is easy. So when I'm, when I'm struggling with this load, and I'm, I'm beaten down with this, this, this uneasiness, there's something else trying to get into my life. I need wisdom. Maybe that's you today. You're, you're, you're tired of the burden. You're tired of the yoke. You're tired of things not going as God's law of the harvest says they should go. It's time to put it back in perspective. It's time to get the order correct. It's not about you. Folks, I love you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. When we make it about him, he'll make it about us. But it'll never happen the other way. That's why he said, consider your ways. Amen? This song is going to come. I'm going to open these altars. And I'm going to ask you to be Solomon today. And just say, God, I need to seek you. The more I seek you. These altars are open, church. The more I find you. You find out it's really all about love. This is why the Word of God tells us to come find that place. That place that you're sitting at His feet. To drink from the cup that He has. And just to lay in His comfort. This love is so
these altars are open, I encourage you to come. The rest of us, if we just stand to our feet all over this building. place of this altar. Father, I thank you, Lord, Jesus, God. God, I rebuke the thoughts. God, by your grace, Father, thank you, Lord. God, we take authority over the enemy. God, we bind him. He's already been bound. And Lord, we lose God. Spirit of peace. Victory, Lord, in Jesus' name. added to our plate all the time and I don't know who this word is for but God wants to say that when life gets busy even though it seems easy don't let God be the first thing to go don't let your obligations to God be the first thing that you cut out when life seems busy because it's the busyness that's the distraction it's the busyness that's the distraction It's not the things of God. It's not your commitments to Him. Those are the things that give you life and that give you joy and that give you the energy to do the other things. Once again, these altars are open, church. 
You know, it's really sad that you got to almost beg people to turn it over to God. You got to say, well, you know, people say, well, Pastor, if I, if I go up there, people are going to think things. Folks, they already know things. Don't you think it's time to give it to the only one that can do something about it? Thank you, Lord. capacity. God is the only one that can help you. This church can't. Oh, we can help you a little bit financially. We can help you a little bit encouragingly. But we can help you eternally. Only God can do that. It doesn't matter. Oh, Pastor, it's just been too long. That's the choice you made. That's the choice I made. When's the time? When's enough enough? That's the question. In our passage, God was talking to his people. They were riding along under God's protection. And God said, okay, time out. When's it about you and not me? And when I changed that whole perspective in my personal life, things started changing. Victory started coming. Still still a battle. Still a cost. Like I said on Wednesday nights, you come on Wednesday nights, you can ask questions, you can get involved. We can get down to the nitty-gritty of what God's Word says. What's happening in, in your life? What's going on? The battle doesn't change. That's why you've got to engage. But as long as you engage, there's not a devil in hell can stand. Amen. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. 
Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. Yeah.